How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. Yeah, I am doing really well. I think we and owe it, you. Well, I think we owe it to the audience to inform them that it's a Saturday night. So we are dedicated to this paradox podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's paradoxically speaking. It can happen yeah. anywhere, anytime. Anytime. No rules. That's how we roll. What have you been up to, man? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? I feel like quite a bit. Um, yeah, I've been burning through quite a bit of quite a few books lately. Uh, but one show is uh, something I I mentioned to you that we, we got to connect down the road to talk about. It's uh, it's called Beef on Netflix, and uh, just one season new new show that came out. I think there's eight episodes or something like that. Uh, but it's, it's all about revenge, which is, it's a paradox. I want to do an episode, the paradox of revenge. And I don't know, it's an interesting idea of you think that getting some sort of vengeance for (laughs) some sort of wrong, like makes you, you know, feel better. But it's funny, like looking into the research a little bit. You know, it shows you feel better for about five five minutes or so, and then you just feel even worse than you than you you did. Um, but it's funny in the show; it, it spans a couple years, I I think, in this uh, throughout these episodes, and it's just like back and forth this beef. And I I know we've had a a number of conversations. You know, I get on the forgiveness soap soapbox type of deal. But uh, like another way to put it is like it just takes like one person to let it go for the cycle to to stop. It seems at least, you know, not always, but for them, for the most part. Yeah. For a second there, I thought you were going to say we've had a number of beefs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no beefs. No severe beefs. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The uh, the revenge thing. Uh, you know, you catch yourself sometimes after an argument and you're like in the shower contemplating life and you think of like the best comeback like man i should have said that that would have made them feel terrible and like what a what a crazy thing like what a what a, like the opposite of virtue <laughs> you're like in the shower <laughs> thinking of something horrible to say to this person and you wish you would have you know been smart enough to figure it out at the time to make them feel like crap it's um it's a weird thing but it's so tempting too and i i'm sure i hope a lot of uh, people can relate to this in some sense that you naturally feel yourself feel yourself gravitating towards that sometimes towards like seeking revenge and seeking uh you know you wish you would have been a little bit smarter and said something because well probably because you feel a little embarrassed about the situation or you're a little ashamed or this or that but uh but it is interesting how we i don't know it's, it's a it's a natural thing to fall into so um i'm, I'm looking forward to listening to that uh, are you a fan of david cho I'm not super super familiar with him. You're you're probably much more than I am, but um, but the little bit I've seen, 
I think maybe I've um, listened to him on Rogan or something like that and seen a couple things here and there, but but he does a great job in the, in the show. I, I was really impressed with the, the part that he plays in it. He's one of those guys that just, he doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks, man. He'll just, he'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about and he'll do whatever he wants to do and he'll wear, he'll wear whatever he wants to wear and it's, uh, it's very refreshing to see that and... Uh, he definitely shows that on, on Rogan's podcast. And he, did you see that when he talked about Anthony Bourdain? Because I know you were a Bourdain fan, right? Yeah, big Bourdain fan. You know what? Now that I think about it, I I saw the uh, Bourdain HBO documentary, and I want to say he was in that a little bit as well. Yeah, maybe that's where I've I've seen him. But yeah, huge, yeah, huge Bourdain fan you know I, I watched that show for I wouldn't say the whole time but definitely the last few years and just uh I don't know I feel like I connected a bit with how he thought and saw the saw the world and stuff like that yeah I, I was another person that I really need to look into a bit more but I love that scene with him with David Cho and and Rogan talking about Anthony Bourdain it was one of those things, and maybe we can do a future episode on this, the paradox of strength and weakness, because I don't know if you've seen that, but he's basically, David is talking about Anthony Bourdain and how he, he took his own life and uh, really just breaks down considerably on the, on the podcast. And, and, and Rogan is, you know, just, just a great guy for that kind of stuff, for those kinds of situations. But just a very interesting thing that you know you could look at that and you could say well what a weak person and you can also look at that and say well what a strong person uh it's, it's very interesting but i actually find myself going back to that that scene and not not to get too much into the masculinity thing but but it's interesting to uh to see two very successful people men in particular that uh that are just willing to just cry on a very public podcast and and again, like, is that strength? Yes. Is it weakness? I don't know. Maybe you could you could definitely skew it that way if you if you wanted to. But but uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I I think it's fascinating or maybe wise. Whatever, as a culture or society or the masses like consider a particular thing like this is strength maybe it's the polar opposite you know maybe maybe it's that that example of being vulnerable like i remember in a in a documentary with pope francis kind of going through a number of these things and he's and he said tenderness is strength I don't think I'll ever forget that. Like tenderness. Not a word you hear often. But it's like, you know, that that's real strength. Um, but I think there's a lot of other examples like that. And it's I mean it's it's both in a way, but we can we cannot see the the other thing. We cannot see like the whole other side of this vulnerability and tenderness type of thing. It reminds me of a quote from, this was a football player. He's actually on Mike Tyson's podcast, 
and I don't know where this quote came from, but it was something like, no one knows the violence it took to be this gentle or to become this gentle. And I think, I mean, I certainly can can relate to that in many ways. And I think a lot of people with um, just a lot of, I suppose, masculine energy, like Mike Tyson, obviously, if everyone knows him, he was just a savage in the day, man, like in the boxing ring. He just destroyed and just very fought with a lot of emotion, a lot of anger. And he right now he's a very, very gentle, calm person. And his, he's suffering from a lot of the the trauma that he, he had from that life and from what he what he did. And uh, it's an interesting way to think about it that, <laughs> you know, you, you have to go through a lot of violence to become gentle. And I, I certainly think about that when it comes to uh, exercise because I, I, need, I need to exhaust myself physically to be gentle. It's, it's not an option, right? And then I think, well, do I need that also with work? Like, do you need to be exhausted from work in order to be gentle? It's, um, it's a weird thing. Do, do you relate to that at all? I mean, because you have an interesting past as well, right? Because, you know, you were in the Army for a bit. I mean, you're certainly based on that. You're <laughs> at least capable of violence. But you ever think about that? Yeah, not not so much. I um, it's pretty much for the most part the only job I've really had. I, I was in the Air Force for a little over twenty years. Worked for a little bit for a couple of years after, but you know, I consider it's like the only job I've ever had really. Um. I'd say like for for some, but you could probably think of uh, like maybe Mother Teresa. You know, maybe she always had a a tenderness to her, but you know, I'm obviously don't know her, but um, but yeah, maybe that's not like many things. You know, there's no sort of universal rule. It depends, but. Um, I think some of these things, like for example, that that football player, where you think of like the, you know, mixed martial artist or something like that. I wonder if it connects with just a bit of um, like wisdom, but also like specifically like some sort of. Um, you're really, really comfortable with who you are. Like, do you know anybody like that? Or like some of these figures where they really become comfortable and secure with who they are. Maybe they've like accepted a whole lot of things. And on the other side of that is a, um, is a tenderness, like a gentleness, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like some of that, that stuff, and it doesn't mean it just like disappears if someone, you know, attack this person, you know, in a dark alley or something like that. But I don't know, like transcend a bit of like our, like primal instincts, a bit, or like subdue them or something. I don't know. What do you I think, think? I think the right word is tame. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's like a beast. I mean, that's the idea behind the Beauty and the Beast story, is that, uh, and you know, when I talk about masculine and feminine, I don't necessarily mean male or female, but 
they tend to be somewhat correlated. But really masculine people, because they're so driven and ambitious, they can they can be a bit violent sometimes and they can be a bit just aggressive in in their approach. And if that's your natural personality or, or your natural energy, let's say when you're young, if you're a very masculine person, you have to tame that and then hopefully round yourself out a little bit so that you can touch on the feminine a little bit, but, but you have to, to tame that. And that's why I think you see people like Tyson, for example, who's just extremely masculine, very driven, and he has to be tamed, and he had to be tamed. And then you look at someone like Mother Teresa. It's like she's feminine. She's on the other end of the spectrum. She's naturally tender. She's naturally, you know, but could she get in a boxing ring and fight? I don't know. Probably not. So you're talking about two ends of the spectrum, and you say, well, you know, one sounds a lot better than the other, right? Mother Teresa sounds a lot better than Mike Tyson. And you think, well, yeah, but strength is also incredibly important, too, and ambition is also incredibly important. And it's it's hard to demonize because I suppose you could you could say, well, could Mother Teresa exist if it weren't for people like Tyson? I don't know, man. That's a complicated question, isn't it? Could people like Tyson exist if it wasn't for people like Mother Teresa? Because the, the, these energies seem to seem to balance over over a population, and certainly even within like a couple, you see that balancing of the masculine and feminine in order to you know to have a, a good relationship. Yeah. I wonder if, if some of it, you know how um, there's just this idea of, you know, luck in a way, or maybe luck is not the the right word, but just um, fate, you know, whatever comes the way. If you think of like somebody like Tyson, uh, you know, finds a particular, you know, there happens to be a, a boxing thing that opens, you know, a block away from their house or they you know, the, the NFL player, you know, five years old, they're, they're put into pop Warner, you know, and some other the kid next door might've been playing the violin or something like that at five years old. It's like, whatever we spend our time doing, you think about that, like, you know, if you spend eight hours a day, like in a boxing ring, sparring or, you know, playing football, you know, just like, so much time if you think to like Aristotle and stuff like that of just like a, a habit like the you know the virtues and all these things like our actions um and sometimes it's, it's it's a bit out of our control for the most part of uh, sometimes of like what habits get started because as kids we're not we don't have like complete agency of what we do and and, and, and also like so much in terms of, uh, you know, your, your culture, like the country that you're born in and, you know, all, all sorts of different things that are just, uh, easy to take for granted. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because it's very clear for anyone that's actually listened to Tyson talk, man, he's very intelligent. He is extremely intelligent. And you think, well, what a brute. Like, no, 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 no. This guy has a plan. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. And so it's it's quite a question to ponder who he would be if he was brought up in a different area, if he had different parents, if he, yeah. you know, like, it's just, it's interesting because our, our surroundings do affect us to, to a very significant amount. And 
you know, and I'm sure some people are saying, but what about the Stoics? So they say it shouldn't. And they do. They say, well, you can choose not to, but you are, and actually there, it isn't as clear cut as people think on this because Seneca also talks about uh, how you do actually get considerably influenced by the crowd. So it's, it's not exactly as clear cut as, as, as people think. There's, there's different opinions based on which Stoic you're talking about. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I can certainly think in my life if I would have been brought up in a different area or had a different experience, man, I'd be somewhere completely different. And I think you need that. I think, to your point, you mentioned luck. Man, I think wherever you are right now, <laughs> luck has got you there. Yeah. You know, cause, cause, and, and you, you could even define luck as externals, things that are not up to you. Sure, let's call that luck. One way or another, I, I think it does affect where you are right now. Maybe not who you are, but certainly where you are. Oh, completely. And it's it's super easy to to forget. Um, and it's just like the way it is. Like in terms of my my daughter, she she reads a bunch. Well, there's like we go to the library. There's books everywhere. Like I'm a book nerd. You know, when I was growing up, there really weren't any books in the house. You know, like, so, but it doesn't mean that I couldn't have maybe had some agency, you know, when I was eight, I, maybe I could have brought that up or, you know, done something, but those things haven't, have an influence on us, our, our surroundings, what our friends are doing. I mean, there's just so many things. If, if we're interconnected and interdependent and all sorts of stuff, all of these things in a, in a way have a you know, a bit of an influence on us. 100%, man. I love that example because it's true. Because you're into books and you didn't grow up with books. That Maybe that was in you. But certainly with your daughter having that exposure to it at an early age, I mean, that 100% has an effect. Uh, there's actually a, a song on this. I don't know if you know it. It's, it's a country song. It's called Timing is Everything. And I, I just want to look up the lyrics really quick. But it's basically about that, how... You know, you think just moment to moment how how things can change. If you if you think back, you can really do this at any inflection point in your life. Uh, if something would have been a little bit late or, or the timing was off a little bit, things might not be how they are right now. You know, he he talks about he talks about this in this song where you know he met uh, he met this woman that he fell in love with, and and he says he he could have been another minute late. And if he was another minute late, they never would have met that day. And that's 100% true, man. And it just, it really makes you wonder how much is ultimately up to you. Because I, I think I think it's both everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's humbling to remind yourself of, of some of that stuff you know i mean obviously we're in the in the present moment and we're we're focused on just doing the best we can um but you know it's just like reality you know the the life unfolds it's it's this and it's that it's uncertain and uh you know you like you can you can in a way get curious about it and you know, it's kind of interesting mhm well and you you can also you can also mess yourself up a little bit too because one of the things he talks about in that song as well is his one of his friends that died in a car accident 
and he was talking about the same thing where mm -hmm. it's like it wasn't his time but it could have been yeah right and that you hear that that's interesting because you hear a lot of people when they get to the age where their friends start dying and they they'll say that like that bothers them they'll 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 specifically say wow he was my age and he just had a heart attack so like they're clearly making that connection that this could happen to me as well and it's like what's driving that decision sometimes sometimes those people eat healthy they exercise they have a great life and they get hit by a train yeah and 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 i think that scares people because they think well shit no matter what i do there's still the chance that my life is taken from me or this is taken from me or that is taken from me and that's that's a very hard thing to deal with that's that's why stoicism emphasizes it so much this yeah maybe not enough maybe not coming to terms with what's outside of your control like they they say it a lot that's outside of your control but i think coming to terms with that on a deep level is is very difficult yeah and i i think we spoke um you know in some of the previous episodes on that how to be free like training our desires and aversions a little bit which sounds super you know like training your desires and aversions sounds kind of strange you know in the modern day but it's it's like coming to grips with how the world works you know it's like coming to accept just how this this whole thing uh you know goes like coming to grips with with life and stuff like that is the same way because like what is the what is the move you know and it's um i don't know now i'm thinking of uh bourdain since he was brought up and stuff like that you know i kind of have like images of some of his uh episodes and stuff and it's like you think of someone in that particular spot and i always think like i don't feel that way right now i've never you know um thankfully like had those feelings of taking action of of uh you know taking my own life and things like that but i don't know where i'm going to be at tomorrow or two years like if it was possible for bourdain to be in that spot i have to say like it's possible for me as well to be in that spot and then it's like what is the move when you find yourself in that situation it's like the move in some way to me is what the stoics are talking about how do we let go and unravel something because we're having these strong feelings <clears throat> excuse me about whatever it may be you know we're we're having all sorts of of um feelings that are potentially leading us to do this or that we brought up revenge you know leading us to you know embark on some sort of vengeance crusade or do this like to me the move is yeah how do we use some sort of like martial art type of move with life you know and and let go of some of this stuff and and align ourselves with how the how the world works like how it's actually unfolding i think so and i think i think in those darker moments too it's just a matter of patience 
I, I sent you a text last night or the night before because I've been under a, just an extreme amount of, of stress at work. And, uh, and I found myself thinking just that it was always going to be this way. And I, and I know better. I know better. I know it's gonna, there's going to be times where it's going to be great again. But we seem to naturally think that whatever we're feeling right now is going to last forever. And we feel that way if it's a good feeling. If we're in love with someone, we feel that way if we're stressed. We feel that way if life's not worth living and we want to take our own life. We just feel like we're always going to feel that way. And it's the biggest lie we tell ourselves because it's just not true. It's just not true. You know, there's that, I love that, that Christian saying, this too shall pass. And, and so I just, the, and this, the, the advice I give is the same advice I give to myself. Just have a bit of patience, man. Just, just stick through it. Just stick around. Just stay here. It's not going to be like this forever. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's not going to be like this. And to me, that particular move right there is, I'm not kidding. I think it's so powerful. It's like the other position, like to me is a way of, um, it's like resistance. It's like, I'm going to, you know, there's 120 mile an hour, you know, wind coming and I'm going to, I'm going to hold my ground, you know, or it's like, sometimes I think of like swimming up current or something like that. We're going to do this. And like to a certain extent, you know, like the Stoics are talking about, there's things that are outside of our control and it's just like, that's just the way it is. You know, there is no, you know, swimming up current more than 10 feet. Like you're going to be exhausted <laughs> very quickly, you know, so it, it's about what can we do that's within our control. And sometimes it's, it's accepting it. It's having patience. It's, you know, this too shall pass. I've been, um, writing some stuff. I, I've been doing this, um, perennial, habits course is what I'm calling it. You know, it's like a couple emails, uh, a week and, uh, and we're going to do some, like a, a few like live meetups and stuff like that. But it's all about change. Like how do we change? How do we incorporate like, you know, whatever habit you think of like this habit, how do we put this into practice? And, uh, so I've been doing a lot of research on the, like the science of change and stuff like this and kind of getting back into some of this type of stuff. But the last one I, I did, and I swear it's something we probably a similar like soapbox that I ramble on about of this thing of like becoming like becoming every day. And it's, if you just add, like say whatever it is, I don't like mushrooms today. Like you really don't know like tomorrow or two years. You know, and like many of these things, like I'm I mean, even today you could say like in this moment, you know? Uh oh, anger, like in this moment. 
Like you don't know if you have a bit of patience and like loosen your grip a little bit on it. Five or 10 minutes later, it might just be totally gone. And at the end of that five minutes might be a sense of tranquility. Like, I mean, you know, you just don't know. The future is uncertain. We're constantly becoming. We always want to see ourselves as these, to me, like these fixed things. Um, I am this with a period on the end of it. But it's, it's just not how it is it's a tough mindset to cultivate it's what these existentialists like i don't i don't know if they needed like you know thousands of pages to communicate that that idea but i i think they took all of that because it's it's a difficult thing to really adopt this like i'm becoming each and every moment i'm not anything like what i did yesterday has nothing to do with like today is a blank page in a way. But that gets weird. Well, yeah, it's certainly hard because you have your habits that are like a train pushing you along. But I, I think, I mean, I've certainly got better at what you and I speak a lot about, which is just having a bit more compassion for yourself when you when you do something that you're not so proud of, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you can always think in your day, okay, well, I did this or I said this. Is that who I want to be? And if you pick hard enough, you're probably going to find a couple of things that the answer to that question is going to be no. That's not who I want to be. Yeah. And you don't do that to feel horrible about it. But you have to acknowledge that that's not who you want to be. And then you have to think, well, what am I going to do the next time that this happens so that I can become a become a better version of myself, I guess, to use, use the buzz phrase. But I, I think that's important. And I think it's hard, it's really hard to not beat yourself up about that stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, you think, well... God damn, I want to be so much further ahead than I am right now. But the truth is, is that you're not. You're, you're, yeah. you're where you are right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay, man. Because guess what? You're yeah. always going to be where you are right now. And you're always going to want to be somewhere else. So yeah. you have to learn how to be okay with that right now. Because if you don't, you're never going to be okay. Yeah. It's, um... Like to me, it's a it's a paradox right, right there, or like you might call it a, a polarity, in terms of um, some of this stuff. Like, like you said, you've got to take the hard look. Like, say a particular team, you know, NFL team, like Monday, like when they lose, like they're coming in and they're gonna watch the tape. They're gonna pull up all of these little mistakes and they're gonna put up. Not just talk about it. They're going to give you a visual and like probably pause and like rewind and go back and, and really analyze like why that happened. But guess what? Like the next Sunday, like the score is zero, zero. You know, it's like it's a new game. Like, I don't To me, I'm a very visual person. These visual things uh, work for, work for me. Um when it comes to uh, like the, the journaling stuff, I got one right here. 
It's like, I can take a hard look at my day. I can fill up this page with some real, real darkness, real things that, you know, it's like, hey, you know what? Then I turn the page and guess what? The very next day, it's blank. You know, be in in that stuff on the previous page. Yes, we we do have habits, and you know, if we have some bad habits and stuff that are cultivated. But sometimes, if we're able to just be honest and take a hard look at it and become aware of it, it can kind of be a little bit of gasoline, I think. For the next day, like the blank page that we have to actually, you know, do some things different. But it can be very difficult to even just have an honest, like, let me see reality. Let me, like, look at this. And it, But it doesn't make you less than. That's the thing uh, I put in this um, Saturday meditation thing. Um, can, I, can I read this thing to you? Please do. Story? Yeah. This, this honestly, uh, I probably say this for like a hundred different things. Like this is one of my, this is my favorite, <laughs> one of my very cool. So, but it, it's a bit of a passage, but l- let me, let me go, go through it here. And it's, um, Tolstoy. He says, one of the most common and generally accepted delusion is that every man can be qualified in some particular way said to be kind, wicked, ignorant, energetic, apathetic, and so on. People are not like that. We may say of a man that he is more often kind than cruel, more often wise than ignorant, more often energetic than apathetic, or vice versa. But it could never be true to say of one man that he is kind or wise, and of another that he is wicked or ignorant. Yet we are always classifying mankind in this way, and it is wrong. Human beings are like rivers. The water is one and the same in all of them, but every river is narrow in some places, flows swifter in others. Here it is broad, there still, or clear, or cold, or muddy, or warm. It is the same with men. Every man bears within him the germs of every human quality, and now manifests one, now another, and is frequently is quite unlike himself while still remaining the same man. Not, I love it. It's like, in the, I mean, it's the same thing in terms of like, if you're like, honestly, like with a journal, the pages are not going to be the same. You know, we're, we're just not robots. It's not going to be, you know, a hundred pages of virtuous actions all in a row. And that's okay. It's like, you know, it's, um, you know, the fact that we're imperfect, the fact that the world is uncertain, that's just how it is. It's, uh, there's, there's many, I mean, we don't necessarily need to <laughs> get into it, but I mean, people can contemplate like why that is and why that you know, adds to the beauty and wonder and all of the, of the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was, that was great by Tolstoy there. Very beautiful words. I think, um, to your point too, I think one of the things that's particularly difficult, and you see this in couples a lot. If I'm mad at you about 
something that you did or said, and we talk about it, and you agree, and then you do it again in a week, <laughs> and I'm pissed off about it, right? In the same way, you can find yourself writing, like you said, it's a blank page, and that means that any, there could be anything on it, man, right? So you could have, you could be trying to address the same problems forever, for the rest of your life, you could be trying to address the same problems. And I think that messes with people too because, you know, you write down in your journal, well, I had an angry outburst today at my wife or my husband and I don't think that's who I want to be, so I'm going to manage that a bit better. And then a week later, you're writing the same damn thing in the page, right? Yeah, I think that can wear you out, right? <laughs> that could, like, because yeah. you think, well, so here I am feeling like a piece of shit and I felt the same way a week ago, and I'm just as much of a piece of shit. And, you know, that, man, that's that's a burden. At the same time, I, I, again, this is why I think it gets back to this message of patience. It's like things take time, and a long time. And, man, maybe, probably, you're never going to be there. I mean, I know people that have worked on anger issues for their whole life, and, man, they're completely different. they're a completely different person now. And every now and then, some, they get a little angry about something. And it's like, oh, that's okay. But, oh, that, that, that's still there, and that's okay. Look where you came from. You know, the goal isn't to go from 20% to 100% overnight. And, you, and the, 100, the 100%, it doesn't exist. It, it just doesn't exist. So time i think it's just patience just time and you learn this to bring back gym examples you learn this in the gym it's like you can't judge progress from week to week it has to be over months it has to be over years because there's too much variation day to day for you to really measure progress yeah and i think that's we, we did an episode on on goals and stuff like that and we we align and agree quite a bit on you know so so many different things and and sometimes it's a matter of um like what you stress and it's different like for for others like the um like sometimes and i and i would say like this for me i think this helps a bit of like let's just delete the progress thing like i'm a, it's I'm in this for, this is lifelong. It doesn't matter. I'm not necessarily like, now it doesn't mean that, like, cause if you go do something, you're probably going to make progress. Like if, if you set out like, Hey, I want to go exercise six days a week and do this and you do it, like the progress is just going to happen. But if there's this thing, this particular progress, and it's like, it can be demotivating for some. And it's like, even if it's a long-term thing, like two months, I'm here, you know, or, you know, you set some sort of goal. Well, sometimes you don't know, like two months, you might just be, I don't know. You know I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we got into it, so we don't need to like open that like can of worms up. But um, that it's a bit of why I'm, a huge fan of this word perennial, you know, it's like newsletters called perennial meditations. Like a few years ago, like 
this weird name of the perennial leader project. And it's a bit about that of just, nah, like you're never done. You know, it's just like lifelong type of thing of, of trying to, you know, lead a life. There isn't any time of where you get to some place where you get to like turn on the uh, automatic cruise control drive thing. Um, I think it's it's a help. It's not always inspiring for some, but I think it's a helpful mindset of um, enjoying the process. You know, enjoying of just never being finished. There's a an ancient proverb of like, you know, behind mountains there's more mountains. Like, yeah, you might set a type of thing, cool. Like you made it to the <laughs> this particular peak. Yeah, there's like an infinite number of peaks all over the place. Like, it's cool. Let's keep living. Yeah, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, I think uh, the the message of, or I think it ties in with the message of just, just to be here now, just to be present at where you are right now. I, 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 um, I don't know if we mentioned this, mentioned this on the podcast at all. I don't think we did. But we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I've been obviously going to the gym, <laughs> strong, stoic and all, trying to keep up the name. But I wrote, you know, the, I have this reluctance, as, as you know, and I know you have it too, uh, of going sometimes. And, you know, you're tired, you've worked all day. It's like, i got to drag my ass in the gym and work out. And I wrote in there on the whiteboard, it's a privilege to be here. And it's, it's the first thing I see when I come in. And man, what a perspective changer. And I, I, I thought about that a bit more after we spoke about it. Because you could also read that it's a privilege to be here. Meaning if, if, if you have the right perspective and you have the, the, the peace of mind and the tranquility to really live in the moment man that that that's that's a privilege and maybe that's a privilege that you can you can work for and you can get over time but god damn it what what a privilege what a privilege to be here and you made the point to me that you you can say that pretty much about anything you know your kids are getting in a fight and you're all frustrated well you know what maybe it's a privilege to be here maybe it's not annoying maybe it's not frustrating maybe it is those things but maybe it's still a privilege and i wonder you remember that uh that Epictetus quote that we read uh like probably a dozen times and I still I still don't have it memorized. I don't I don't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> but if if you if you were truly like in the present moment, like be right here. Like that quote makes sense. You know, it's like if you're because it's like the problem I mean, I don't mean like be right here, like like in each second, you know, like that's where you are, where there's almost not this long train of, of stuff in the past or, you know, all these potential type of things in the future. You know, it is, it, it, there, there's a privilege there. Like there is peace there. Like all is well right there. Um, and I know there can be this, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But if you're <laughs> like incarcerated or 
yeah, but if you're all of those things. But then the thing is, though, if you're in those situations, like say you're in a bad spot, you're incarcerated, you're this or you're that. What other choice? Do, I mean, like that, that's the move. Like that's the, <laughs> the, uh, the move is to try to be right, right where you are, even in those situations of like the Stoics of being exiled or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, cause the alternative is to be worried about the past and, you know, living in all these regrets. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wish I would, this person wouldn't have done that to me. Um, or, you know, the opposite in terms of the future and stuff like that. Yeah. Oddly enough to your point is the whole be here now thing. It seems to work even in a state of suffering. That's what's interesting. I think we spoke about that before, too, where uh, Andrew Huberman, who we both know, he's a neuroscientist, and he says that if you're in discomfort, he meant physically, but of course physical discomfort is often mental discomfort, if you just feel it as opposed to placing all these opinions on it, oh, this hurts, oh, this is cold, it actually, it's not that it goes away, but that psychologically... It, it seems to relieve you of the burden. You seem to be able to transcend suffering just by feeling it, which is so counterintuitive. But, you know, it gets back to this idea of being able to just, just sit and relax into the discomfort and how, how freeing that can be. And so it, even, even in a state of suffering, it's still a privilege to be here because maybe by being here you can transcend that suffering it is a it's a fascinating thing it's like the the privilege thing like the only way you can maybe not the only way but like an important mindset to me it seems like um same thing in terms of the suffering it's like you have to have some sort of like agency you know it's like you can pivot towards it. You can, it's a privilege to, to be here. You know, you're not necessarily like a slave. You don't necessarily say it's a privilege to be here. Like if somebody forces you to go to the gym and you didn't have any sort of agency over it, it's like remembering, Oh, like I have agency and I chose this particular action. You know, this is a privilege. Same thing. If it's a, a difficult experience of what it's going on of like, they talk about surrendering or there's this thing from uh, the writer Marcel uh, uh, Prost. I, I may have pronounced that wrong, but he says like, um, you have to feel it till it's to this fullest, you know, it's like you have to actually like experience whatever that is. It's like, I think we were talking about it before of, letting go a bit and just accepting what is. And when you do that, you, it seems like you can get to that place of it's a privilege to be here much, much quicker. You know, it comes right back to it. Yeah. And there's, there's so many songs, poems, books about this idea. I mean, what there's that possibly the most famous song in the world, let it be by the Beatles. I mean, that's, that's what that's about. It's, 
it's about relaxing into the state of suffering that you're in. And he's talking about his mother coming to him, you know, whispering words of wisdom, let it be. It's just amazing how those three words, if said in the right way, can relieve so much, so much anxiety, so much stress. Just let it be. If it's coming from someone that's really genuine, this is something that's interesting too, because, you know, I think sometimes when I'm, you know, when I have, when I'm stressed or something like that, I'll think about uh, Robin Williams, because he has this, he has this little speech, and I, I think it might have been in a movie or, or one of his, um, he, I think he's, he's done some speeches on, on his own, but obviously, unfortunately, Robin Williams, another person who took his own life, and when he says, when he says this, the way he says it, you can just tell that he really means it, it's, it's very authentic, and it, people can say something to you and it doesn't it doesn't hit home but the right person says it in the right way and because they're so authentic about it it comes across anyways he 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 basically says something like hey try not to worry so much life is fleeting and he he says it much much more beautifully than i but someone else could tell you hey don't worry and you could be like, no, go to hell, man. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's, not, that's not helpful. But yeah. then you get the right person. And for a lot of people, it's their mother. For, hopefully someone has someone in their lives that they can just kind of look at you and say, listen, man, just try not to worry so much. Just let it be. Just, just relax. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and what a blessing and what a privilege to have someone that can do that for you. Yeah, definitely. Um... I've heard a lot of people talk about like that particular move as a, like our perception gets narrowed, you know, we're like hyper focused on like, say this particular issue or this particular problem where it's, it's almost like everything else just like disappears and it, it just becomes this huge thing. Maybe in psychological terms, it's like catastrophizing and stuff like that where, you know, many of these psychologists, you know, it's like, like they're, they're basically talking like the Stoics. If you take some sort of uh, broad, how do you broaden your perspective? Like there's one, like you get up on the balcony and stuff, but the Stoics, you know, go extreme of like this cosmic view from above. And it's like, when we do broaden our perspective, it's like, Oh, like that, Robin Williams talking about like, Oh, Oh wait, life is, life is fleeting. Oh wait. And it's like, I have this visual of in a boat, you know, like the, the waters get all sorts of rocky and stuff like that. And like we can broaden our perspective. It seems like, and the waters can just like naturally calm down rather rather quickly um you know but obviously there are things that are that should upset us you know if one of my kids was to pass away you know or you know these things and that's where like the discernment comes in like the, there's a difference of um getting upset from trying to maybe like grasp something that's outside of your control and like real grief, 
you know, real sadness from something that is um, a bit of maybe like a storm. You know, I, I haven't thankfully, you know, de dealt with that, but I know, you know, many, many parents and obviously so many people like lose, lose loved ones and stuff like that. But it's a, you know, it's, it's just a, a storm, you know, and it's a difficult thing and I have to deal with it and process the grief and all of that type of stuff. And the, the Stoics don't get, um, you know, not, not too many people are like fond of, of some of those, uh, those passages, uh, like from, you know, Epictetus and stuff like that, or like saying, I forget the passage, but it's basically like a cup, it's going to break. And it's like, you know, your kid is, it's going to die and, and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> some people interpret it, uh, different ways. I know I had Nancy Sherman on the, uh, uh, on in search of wisdom and you know she interprets it uh a very different way of like basically um maybe an example that i think of is like the a super devout christian you know that it's like this uh, my my kid has been you know is with god now type of stuff at least that's how i got it how she kind of explained it wasn't necessarily like a premeditating what could go wrong to, you know, alleviate the sting of it. Um, yeah, it was, it was, have you ever had anybody talk about that or on your show? Yeah. Well, I, it yourself? I, I did publish an article in Donald Robertson's uh, medium publication on grief. So hopefully that means it was somewhat accurate. <laughs> Yeah, but my, my my understanding from the stoic position is actually that that grief is a very natural thing and there's nothing wrong with grieving the the problem is grieving for too long the problem is not getting on with life so and i i, I saw this my uh my great great aunt she died at 100, 102 i think and her husband died maybe four or five years before. And she they lost their, their son as well. So loss was a very, very common thing, I suppose. But I, I just remember she had this husband for 80 years, right? One of those get married at 15 kind of situations. And, and man, like she, she grieved and she cried and she, she didn't hold back. But I was, I was surprised. Like a couple, it was. It wasn't that long after, she was out on her deck, like she she always was, sipping her tea in the morning, watching the sunrise, talking with friends. And you just kind of knew it was one of those things. She didn't have to say it, but you knew what she was. What she was really saying there is that man life goes on with or without you and you you gotta grieve man you you gotta grieve and when it comes you gotta let it come you have to feel it but you also gotta get on with life yeah i don't that's such a um a difficult thing like how do you know that like you think of some of the letters that seneca 
wrote, which I don't necessarily remember offhand, but you think of the, uh, um, you know, the parent that's grieving the loss of a child, you know, two years later. Like, we're all so different. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I was in that situation, I would I would want that, <laughs> you know, letter. I mean, if, if the person is still... And, and it may be, like, honestly, in a way of a, a lifelong grief. I mean, in terms of obviously that thing is manageable and, you know, you have to take care of yourself and life goes on and there are certain things that, you know, need to happen. You need to pay your taxes and, you know, rent and all this type of stuff. But in the way of, um, you know, I'm sure you'd never forget. You know, I'm sure that, like when that particular child's birthday or, you know, just all the time, you know, any of these like memories and, and maybe not all of those things are necessarily filled with extreme sadness. Maybe there's joy in terms of, you know, the, the time that you did have. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just th stuff like that of like getting in the, um, you know, like what's, what's appropriate, in terms of, uh, you know, grieving the loss of a child or a loved one, it's, we're all just so unique and you just never know like that relationship or you think of like twins. I'm not a twin, so I have no idea what the experience of being a twin is like, but as people talk about there, there's some sort of strange close bond that exists between twins. And if, one of them was the path, like, you know, unless you've experienced that, you just don't know, like, what is is going on there, that thing of not knowing, it's uh, so difficult to know, and only, only maybe that, you know, particular individual has the, has the wisdom to navigate that, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can ever really get over the loss of a child. It it just seems to be just against like the natural progression of things. Like most of the time you have you have a child, parents die, children live on, they have kids, cycle continues. My uh, my grandmother unfortunately lost her son at quite a young age. And I remember when I was young and I was asking her it was, it was like you said every every year on his birthday like she was a mess, right? Like just it was like grieving all over again. And I remember asking her about heaven when I was when I was a kid and, and she you know, she was, I said, What's heaven like grandma kind of thing? And one of the things she mentioned is that she'd she's gonna have the chance to raise her son. And man, just, just thinking back on that, like what a what a heartbreaking thing, right? Like that's like she she was so heartbroken by the loss of her son that 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 she was excited about getting the chance to raise her son in heaven. Yeah. Well, what's that um that show with Ricky Gervais that we've chatted about a couple of times? Oh, Afterlife. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um that. Do you believe in heaven? <laughs> yeah. There's a Montaigne quote that talks about uh, like us being mortal creatures and essentially we like pass the baton 
you know, to, to others. And it, you know, there's, there's comfort in that. It's like, you know, we pass, but in some way, either ourselves or family members, our particular tribe, you know, that baton is passed on to others. But yeah, you think about that, like it does seem super unnatural, you know, in terms of that, that baton, you know, just doesn't get, get passed, you know, it's tough. Extremely tough. I don't know. You know, on the whole grief thing, Seneca writing that letter to the grieving mother. I don't know, man, that's a hard thing. And I, and I hate to say it, but I think probably on average mothers feel that a bit harder because, you know, because, I mean, they, they, the, the children grow inside them. Yeah. I mean, it's um, not to say that fathers don't, don't grieve perhaps equally as much in some circumstances, but there's a, there's a, there's a deep bond, I think, between a mother and a child that I don't even think I can understand. And, yeah, uh, you know, I just think about my, my mother and my grandmother and their love for their children. It's, like I, I don't have children yet, so maybe that's why I don't understand it. But it, it just, to me, it seems so outside of my realm of capabilities to have that that much love for for people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't um. I wouldn't know either. You know, it's like, um, I've been thinking more about uh just this thing of not knowing like what you're talking about in terms of, uh, you know, carrying a child inside of your body for, you know, nine months, never going to know what that feels like. Literally. I can't even imagine it. I just don't even, I don't know. There are lots of things where we just have to experience it. But uh, my wife and I have been together for like 20 years, you know. It's a bit of bit of time. And I really don't know her. Like, there's just so many things. I, I, I don't know how her mind exactly works. I don't know, like, in terms of... Uh, like impressions and emotions and all. I mean, they're just, I just really don't know. We talk all the time, you know, about all kinds of stuff. Like we talk, you know, so many things like our parents. It's very difficult to even just know yourself. Like that particular um, Tolstoy quote that I read, like I put in this uh, Saturday meditation, um, you know, the question is like, who am I? You know, standard, like, perennial question, contemplation type of stuff. And I swear, you you try to do that. And the only thing that wants to pop up is these, like, labels of, like, I am I am this. Like, I am that. I am that. And, and none of them are permanent. You know, it's like, I... So it's... You really don't even know that in a, in a way. You know, you, you don't even know it enough to put into words or whatever it may be. But that's, that's a, a, a real, just strange, like paradoxically speaking, we don't know 
many, many things. But if you think like some of the stuff that we've talked about of uh, like that show, like beef, like revenge, um, the way the world works, you know, all sorts of these topics that we're that we've been talking about, like from the lens of like, wow, we really just don't know. Like the person that did us wrong that we might have, we have no idea what was going on and why and how life unfolded. And and if someone passes, whether it's like you were talking about and, you know, a child or Anthony Bourdain, so much that we don't know. um, And I, I, I think it's helpful for like these constant reminders of that of just like not knowing, reminding ourselves like all the time of, uh, I mean, we do know some things, of course, but there's a lot that we don't know. And we're constantly like filling in gaps and, you know, making sense like we actually do know. Yeah, well, you see that practically just with all the assumptions we make about people and about certain things and the way people say things and I mean, you get a text from someone and you can interpret it 12 different ways. It's like, which yeah. one are you choosing to interpret it with? It's like, what, what meaning are you attaching to that? And if all you're seeing is the words, that's internal, man. Like, you're, you're putting a meaning, to, a meaning to that. It's interesting where you see people, you know, people get into fights sometimes over <laughs> just, just texts that uh, come off as sarcastic when they're, they're actually literal, you know, just dumb stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt, as hard as it is, it, it's probably a more pro-social attitude, and it's probably a more peaceful attitude for you. So it's not only better for other people, it's also better for you. Because, man, you drive yourself crazy with these stupid assumptions you're making. Oh, this guy's just being a dick. Oh, this guy doesn't like me. Like, Dude, you're, you're putting the meaning to that. Just take a deep breath. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they they behave that way in that particular moment. It's like the next day, like just we were talking about how like we have a blank page if we're the art of journaling. We really don't want to recognize that for others as well. It's like, oh wait, like John has a blank page tomorrow who the heck knows how he's going to show up or she's going to show up. It's like they have a blank page as well. And it's, and hopefully we can, um, in the way from, from a love thing of, you know, wanting everyone to, you know, cultivate that page of theirs in a virtuous, wonderful way, you know, and, and craft, whatever it may be that they're, you know, the, the, the good that they're doing in the world where it's like, man, we're like rooting for everyone in a way it's like, and forgiving them for, you know, their pages that they're, they're probably not so happy about just like you and I are not so happy when, you know, we have a particular a days and in moments that are not so great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just want to circle back quick, and then maybe we can close off. Yeah. That 
to get back to the be here now thing. It's like there's no other time to be good than right now. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's no other time to be good than right now. You know, we, we, we put things off all the time. I'll do this. I'll become better. I'll start doing that. Or I'll start getting up at the same time. Whatever it is, I'll start being nicer to people at the drive-thru. Whatever the hell we tell ourselves. But there's only one time to be good, and it's it's right now. And I think that's such a useful perspective and it, it's not going to be the same answer it's going to yeah. be very context dependent <clears throat> right it's not one thing that's why that's <laughs> why virtue is such a complicated thing but you know i catch i catch myself or i have to tell myself and remind myself regularly it's like dude there's no time just just be good now just be here now and be as good as you can now while you're here yeah there's no other time so good. Your boy is uh Dostoevsky. Um I, I consider I consider my boy uh Tolstoy the calendar of wisdom and one of the things that's like it's exactly what he's saying right now. And it's like cuz that's the only time you have any control over. And it's like again and I, you know it's like once it happens it's now in the category of outside of our control. It's like, be here now again and again and again. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> which is lovely in a way. Like in what it's, yeah, it's per perennial or, you know, infinite opportunities to be, you know, here now. Be good as you can, you know, right here. Love it. Love it, man. So before we close things off. If you like Paradoxically Speaking, you can expect one episode every two weeks. It's every yeah. Monday. I'm going to sound like a sports uh, <laughs> sports commentator now. <laughs> what a what a change in tone. Um, we also have premium episodes, bonus episodes. But no, we, we do have so many ideas on bonus episodes. And we do have uh, a series outside, out, outside, out now on Inside, Inside Man? Yeah. That is right? Yeah. For some reason Netflix. that's not sitting right. Netflix. Watch it. The Darkness. So we talk about that. Uh, we have a series coming out on uh, Emerson's Self-Reliance. It's a two-parter, so these are going to be bonus episodes. You can sign up for that on Substack to get premium access. And if you uh, cannot uh, afford it or for whatever reason uh, cannot get a premium membership, please email either of us and we'll gladly uh, grant you a, uh, a free uh, a free membership, no questions asked. Yeah. And sometimes I think about the Substack thing, honestly, is, and we decided to, to put it on Substack because we both kind of like the, uh, the platform and stuff like that it has a lot of flexibility to do some, um, exclusive posts or, you know, people can obviously subscribe wherever they listen to podcasts and that'll, you know, pop up the, the episode every, every other week. Um, but I'd sometimes think of the paid option as a, you know, just an opportunity to support us in terms of what we're doing, help offset some of the costs of, you know, putting out podcasts and, and all of that type of stuff. Obviously, uh, you know, another way to support is just uh, maybe share it. If you found something useful, pa pass it on. That That is an excellent way to, to support and share a bit of uh, 
wisdom, you know, lessons for the art of living. Um, but also check out like the strong stoic in search of wisdom, you know, that type of stuff. If you find, uh, you know, any use out of, out of this particular podcast, you know, you might, might enjoy the other podcasts that we have as well.